Part 6 of The Letters of Lord Nelson to Lazy Hamilton, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Letters of Lord Nelson to Lady Hamilton, Volume 1, by Horatio Nelson. Letters 30 to 32. Letter 30. Amazon. October the 21st, 1801. My dearest friend, it blows strong from the westward, and it is a very dirty day, with a good deal of surf on the beach, but Hardy and Sutton recommend my going ashore this morning, as they believe it may blow a heavy gale tomorrow. But what comfort could I have had for two whole days at Deal? I hope the morning will be fine, but I have ordered a Deal boat, as they understand the beach better than ours, and... If I cannot land here, I shall go to Ramsgate Pier and come to deal in a carriage. Has Mrs. Cadogan got my peer's robe? For I must send for Mr. Webb and have it altered to a Viscount's. Lord Hood wrote me today, and he is to be one of my introducers. He wanted me to dine with him the 24th, but I'll be damned if I dine from home that day, and it would be as likely we should dine out the 23rd. If you and Sir William ever wish me to dine with his brother, it must be the time of a very small party, for it would be worse than death to me to dine in so large a party. I expect that all the animals will increase where you are, for I never expect that you will suffer any to be killed. I am glad Sir William has got the Duke's pony. Riding will do him much good. I am sorry to tell you that Dr. Beard is so ill that I am told it is very probable he may never recover. This place is the devil's for dreadful colds, and I don't believe I should get well all the winter, for both cough and bowels are still very much out of order. You are now writing your last letter for Deal. So am I. For Merton, from Deal. At least I hope so, for, if I can help it, I will not return to it. I have much to do being the last day on board, but ever, my dearest friend, believe me, your truly affectionate, Nelson and Bronte. I am literally starving with cold, but my heart is warm. I suppose I shall dine with Ludwidge, but I am not very desirous of it, for I shall have Sutton, Bedford and Hardy with me. You must prepare Banty's mother, as it is a piece for some other line of life than the Navy's, Yesterday he sold a pair of silver buckles. He would soon ruin poor Charles, who is really a well-disposed boy. I never shall get warm again, I believe. I cannot feel the pen. Make my kindest regards to Sir William, Mrs. Cadogan, Oliver and Co., Sutton, Hardy and Bedford all join in kind remembrances. As Monday is Horace's birthday, I suppose I must send him a one-pound note. Letter 31, May the 22nd, 1803, 8 o'clock in the morning. My dearest Emma, we are now in sight of Ushant, and shall see Admiral Cornwallis in an hour. I am not in little fret on the idea that he may keep the victory, and turn us all into the Amphion. It will make it truly uncomfortable, but I cannot help myself. I assure you, my dear Emma, that I feel a thorough conviction that we shall meet again, with honour, riches and health, 
and remain together till a good old age. I look at your and my God's child's picture, but till I am sure of remaining here, I cannot bring myself to hang them up. Be assured that my attachment and affectionate regard is unalterable. Nothing can shake it. And pray, say so to my dear Mrs T when you see her. Tell her that my love is unbounded to her and her dear sweet child. And if she should have more, it will extend to all of them. In short, my dear Emma, say everything to her which your dear affectionate heart and head can think of. We are very comfortable. Mr Elliot is happy, has quite recovered his spirits. He was very low at, at Portsmouth. George Elliot is very well. Say so to Lord Minto, Murray, Sutton, in short. Everybody in the ship seems happy, and if we should fall in with the French man of war, I have no fears, but they will do as we used to do. Hardy is gone into Plymouth to see our Dutchman safe. I think she will turn out a good prize. Gitano desires his duty to Milady. He is a good man, and, I dare say, will come back, for I think it cannot be a long war, just enough to make me independent in pecuniary matters. If the wind stands, on Tuesday we shall be on the coast of Portugal, and before next Sunday in the Mediterranean. To Mrs Cadigan say every kind thing. To good Mrs Nelson, the doctor, and co, and co. If you like, you may tell him about the entailing of the pension, but perhaps he will be so much taken up with Canterbury that it will do for some dull evening in Hillborough. I shall now stop till I have been on board the Admiral, only tell Mrs T that I will write her the first safe opportunity. I am not sure of this. I shall direct to Merton after June 1st. Therefore, as you change, make Davison take a direction to Nepean, but... I would not trouble him with too many directions for fear of embroil. May 23rd We are close in with Bress yesterday and found by a frigate that Admiral Cornwallis had a rendezvous at sea. Thither we went, but to this hour cannot find him. It blows strong. What wind we are losing. If I cannot find the Admiral by six o'clock, we must all go into Amphion and leave the victory to my great mortification. So much for the wisdom of my superiors. I keep my letter open to the last, for I still hope, as I am sure there is no good reason for my not going out to the victory. I am just embarking in the Amphion, cannot find Admiral Cornwallis. May God in heaven bless you, praise you most sincere, Nelson and Bronte. Stephen's publication I should like to have. I have left my silver seal, at least I cannot find it. Letter 32, July 1803 My dearest Emma, Although I have wrote letters from various places merely to say, Here I am, and There I am, yet, as I have no doubt but they would all be read, it was impossible for me to say more than, Here I am, and well and I see no prospect of any certain mode of conveyance but by sea, which, with the means of the Admiralty, has given me, of small vessels, can be but seldom. Our passages have been enormously long. From Gibraltar to Malta we were eleven days, arriving the 15th in the evening and sailing in the night of the 16th, 
that is, 3 in the morning of the 17th, and it was the 26th before we got off Capri, where I ordered the frigate, which carried Mr Elliot to Naples to join me. I send you copies of the King and Queen's letters. I am vexed that she did not mention you. I can only account for it by hers being a political letter. When I wrote to the Queen, I said, I left Lady Hamilton the 18th of May, and so attached to Your Majesty that I am sure she would lay down her life to preserve yours. Your Majesty never had a more sincere, attached and real friend than your dear Emma. You will be sorry to hear that good Sir William did not leave her in such comfortable circumstances as his fortune would have allowed. He has given it amongst his relations, but she will do honour to his memory, although everyone else of his friends called loudly against him on that account. I trust, my dear Emma, she has wrote you. If she can forget Emma, I hope God will forget her. But, you think, that she never will, or can. Now is her time to show it. You will only show the King and Queen's letters to some few particular friends. The King is very low, lives mostly at Belvedere. Mr Elliot had not seen either him or the Queen from the 17th, the day of his arrival, to the 21st, on the next day he was to be presented. I have made up my mind that it is part of the plan of that Corsican scoundrel to conquer the Kingdom of Naples. He has marched 13,000 men into the kingdom on the Adriatic side and he will take possession with as much shadow of right of Gaeta and Naples and if the poor king remonstrates or allows us to secure Sicily he will call it war and declare a conquest. I have cautioned General Acton not to risk the royal family too long but Naples will be conquered sooner or later as it may suit Bonaparte's convenience. The Morea and Egypt are likewise in his eye. An army of full 70,000 men are assembling in Italy. Gibbs and Noble are gone to Malta. I am, you may believe, very anxious to get off Toulon to join the fleet. Sir Richard Bickerton went off Naples the day I left Gibraltar. We passed Monte Cristo, Bastia and Cape Corsa yesterday and are now moving, slowly, direct for Toulon. What force they have I know not, indeed I am totally ignorant. Some say nine sail of the line, some seven, some five. If the former, they will come out, for we have only the same number, including sixty-fours, and very short manned. However, I hope they will come out, and let us settle the matter. You know, I hate being kept in suspense. July the 8th I left this hole to put down what force the French have at Toulon. Seven sail of the line ready, five frigates and six corvettes, one or two more in about a week. We, today, eight sail of the line, tomorrow seven, including two sixty-four gun ships. You will readily believe how rejoiced I shall be to get one of your dear, excellent letters, that I may know everything which has passed since my absence. I sincerely hope that Mr Booth has settled all your accounts. Never mind, my dear Emma, a few hundred pounds, which is all the rigid gripe of the law, not justice, can wrest from you. I thank God that you cannot want, although there is no good reason for it being taken from you. Whilst I have sixpence, you shall not want for fivepence of it. 
but you have bought your experience that there is no friendship in money concerns and your good sense will make you profit of it. I hope the minister has done something for you, but never mind, we can live upon bread and cheese. Independence is a blessing, and although I have not yet found out the way to get prize money, what has been taken has run into our mouths, however, it must turn out very hard if I cannot get enough to pay off my debts, and that will be no small comfort. I have not mentioned my Bronte affairs to Acton as yet, but if Naples remains much longer, I shall ask the question, but I expect nothing from them. I believe even Acton wishes himself well and safely removed. I think from what I hear that the King's spirits are so much depressed that he will give up the reins of Naples, at least to his son, and retire to Sicily. Sir William, you know, always thought that he would end his life so. Certainly his situation must be heartbreaking. Catano returned to the frigate. I believe he saw enough of Naples. He carried his family money, and Mr. Falconet, Gibbs being absent, will pay Mr. Greville's pension to Gatano's family. I have now sent Gatano to the post, and he desires to present his duty and to tell you that Mr. Ragland, from Sir William's death, will not pay any more pensions without orders from Mr. Greville. Vincenzo has had none paid. He is very poor, keeps a shop. His son wanted, I find, to come to the frigate to me. I cannot afford to maintain him, therefore I shall give no encouragement. Old Antonio was allowed a car line a day. That is now not paid. Sabatello lives with Mr. Elliot. Nicola and Mary Antonio have left Mr. Gibbs for some cause. Gatano says he believes for amour. Francesca has two children living and another coming. She lives the best amongst them, like Gallant Homme. Pascal lives with the Duke Monteleone and Joseph with the old Russian. Your house is a hotel. The upper parts are kept for the Marquis, the owner. Mr. Elliot has taken the house of the Bale Franconi on the Chia. Dr. Nudai inquired kindly after us and all the women at St. Lucia expected when they saw Gatano that you was arrived. Bread never was so dear. Everything else is plenty. The wages not being raised, Gatano says, the poor of England are a million times better off. So much for Gatano's news. He desires his duties to Signora Madre and remembrances to Mary Ann, Fatima and Co. July the 8th. We joined this morning the fleet. The men in the ships are good, but the ships themselves are a little the worse for wear and very short of the compliments of men. We shall never be better, therefore. Let them come the sooner, the better. I shall write a line to the Duke that he may see I do not forget my friends, and I rely, my dearest Emma, on your saying every kind thing for me to the Doctor, Mrs. Nelson, Mrs. Bolton, Mr. and Mrs. Matcham, Mrs. Cadigan, whose kindness and goodness I shall never forget. You will have the goodness to send the enclosed as directed, and be assured that I am to the last moment of my life your most attached, faithful and affectionate, Nelson and Bronte. End of section 6 Recorded by Brian Stapley, Dunedin, New Zealand